happy Sunday, um, or whatever day of the week it is. <laughs> My name is James DeBrooker. With me, as always, is... Megan Griffin. And we are back with another episode, Winding Down, Slowly But Surely, Handbook for Handbook for Mortals, a weekly podcast about Lanny Serum's magnum opus where we understand slander and libel laws. <laughs> God. What is the difference between slander and libel, James? Uh, one of them's written. One of them is spoken. But um, you don't know which one? Uh, all I can remember is the line from uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, slander is printed. Libel no. is spoken. Oh, libel is written. Slander is spoken. Slander spoken. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yes. <laughs> so this is another week where we have a lot of stuff to talk about that the author was actually doing. Uh, And I stress actually, because truth is a perfect defense against accusations of either slander or libel. (laughs) Um, Before we get into that though, I did want to give a shout out uh, to the author for ignoring us completely. I think we remain (laughs) the one forum of uh devoted actually to her book that she has not acknowledged in the slightest and so i i applaud her restraint um as (laughs) everyone knows it is easiest at times to ignore negative attention rather than draw more attention to it and so um she either hasn't heard of us at all which boo or she has heard of us (laughs) and is ignoring us which thumbs up lanny sarum I'm going to go with the former, uh, that she has not heard of us, though I do use hashtags and everything on social media. Well, listeners, if any of you want to, if, if, if any of you want to attempt to train Lanny Serum on us, you know how to get in touch with her and us on social media, which will remind (laughs) you at the end of the episode. Uh, so what has, uh, Miss Serum been up to this week? It's so last time we met we talked about how she did a podcast where she ended by getting on a soapbox and discussing how it is really annoying all the fake reviews that are out there and after she said that she received a flood of reviews from a wide variety of of disparate geographic locations right right uh so while we were recording last week, we did discuss that her Amazon rating had jumped to a 3.0 and that they were from people that were also rating um, the hate you give one star. And at least one of them we could prove she actually knew either through Geek Nation or had taken the picture that was used at Geek Nation mm-hmm. um, and is also mentioned in her acknowledgments. So I have not checked all the names because... Despite what occasionally I feel like when it comes to this podcast, I do have a life. Mm. Um, so since then, her Goodreads review started to climb up. Um, she received 145 star reviews in about a two day period. And even that only pulled it up from a 1.28 to a 2.08. And where were these reviews coming from? Because you did some research into that. <laughs> Primarily Bangladesh and uh, Singapore. Um, and listeners, if either of you are part of the burgeoning of you... or blossoming uh, Bangladeshi or Singaporean genre young adult new adult fiction scene and you want to book megan or myself for a guest of honor um <laughs> and please pay for us and pay for us for travel <laughs> yes um please get in touch with us because i can only imagine that this flood of reviews from bangladesh and singapore are the result of lanny sarah being a uh, a jerry louis uh jerry lewisian genius in those two countries or like the tragically hip or something <laughs> like that or uh, you know well, whatever from what I see, I don't think she's traveled. They've traveled over there to promote the book. So it's probably in her defense, all those, you know, international people that come to random cons in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, For um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas or whatever. <laughs> I think she used the example Sebastian Stan, but. Um, I Now, again, as, as we here at Handbook for Handbook for Mortals, um are aware of slander and libel, even if one of the hosts is foggy on the distinction twixt the two. Um, I can't possibly imagine what 
would be implied by a flood of positive reviews coming <laughs> from two specific uh, low cost of labor countries um, in a in a brief period of time. That 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 just well, as one person from Bangladesh pointed out, they don't even have the appropriate sounding names. Really? Um, yeah. I, I can't remember if it is that someone made it up or if it actually was one that like someone actually gave up and just typed in letters. They were all very clearly new accounts. Uh, Goodreads will tell you when the account was created. And this would be the only book that like nine out of 10 had reviewed. Occasionally came across one that hadn't. Um, because for whatever reason, this sent me down a spiral. Um, I, I don't agree with fake reviews of anything. Uh, even if it is one star things, I feel like if it's bad, it'll show itself um, to the point that I actually went through and gleaned what I could of the actual reviews of people who read the book rather mm -hmm. than, you know, did this based on the scandal. Um, now, wait, pause, pause real quick, um, sure. because even in Trump's America, words mean things. So fake has taken on a certain pregnant meaning um these past couple of years so when one says when you say fake review what do you mean by fake review so when i did this i basically looked for people that there were clear markers in the review that they had read the book for instance if there wasn't a review if it was just a five star rating or a one star rating odds are i didn't count it uh, unless Goodreads will also show, like, your reading progress. So as someone who updates that religiously, it'll show you, like, on this day you were at this point, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if your review looked legit, as in you pointed out things that happened in the book and didn't just talk about the scandal, um, if you had a reading progress, um, I counted it. I did not look at all the one star reviews because there are over 500. So, so, so you are not using fake in the Trumpian sense of review that you do not like. You are using it in the, uh, yes. in the actual sense actual of fake. Sense. Yes. So with that in mind, I found that of the five star reviews, there were six legit reviews. Okay. Uh, one of which is Lanny Serums. One of which is Sky Turners. Okay. Um, of four stars, nine people, which I think was the actually like most legit ratings. Like of the four star reviews, they're actually the most people that read it. There's your poll quote for the second volume, folks. Legitimately four stars or legitimately <laughs> dot, 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 four stars. Megan Griffin, handbook for handbook for mortals. Uh, of the three stars, four reviews, two stars, seven reviews. And of the one star of what I did, which... I went through about 200 of the over 500 reviews. Um, I found 48 plus another 22 that were did not finish slash only read the preview on Amazon, which the preview, I think it's, it's chapter zero and chapter one. So um, probably more than most people actually read for the marked it as did not finish. Um, brief reminder that the abyss gaze is also, so we can't <laughs> recommend that listeners try this at home. No, please don't do this. I mean, unless you just want to, for whatever reason, tell me I'm wrong and like, I don't care enough. You can, you can fight me on it. I don't care. Yes. Yes. Please but, add us with your uh, potential methodologies for review reviewing. <laughs> but given that the book comes down to either a 1.89 or a 1.69, depending on if you count the people that only read the preview. Um, and again, that's only 200 of the over 500 people that have rated it. Um, so my point in all of this is like, don't fight five star reviews with one star reviews, like let it exist in the vacuum. It doesn't matter. This book is not great. And we're all aware. Then, despite all this, because this was the exhausting first part of the week, and then she got quiet. And then I don't know if it's probably good to admit this or not, but I do keep track of her on several social social media platforms just to kind of make sure we're not missing any of the drama and okay she belongs to a couple of public facebook groups so lanny if you're listening maybe don't join public facebook groups and post things about your book 
but I came across this post that I debated if we should talk about or not. So I'm going to read it and you can tell me your thoughts. Ooh, this will be a real-time handbook-for-handbook <laughs> live reading, folks. Uh, yes, I have not told James about this as I found it at midnight last night. So, which you were probably asleep. I was watching Alien. Thank you very much. <laughs> I am shocked, shocked and appalled that you were up past midnight. Uh, half up, but anyway... <laughs> hey guys, I have a question for everyone. It's related to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but give me a minute. I am an author who wrote a book, and in it, the main character, female, who happens to have supernatural powers, also has a few of the male characters who like her. Dot, dot, dot. I've gotten some flack for as for it as why they are all into her, which is in quotations. Dot, dot, dot. I feel like this is a common thing in stories, i.e., crazy ex-girlfriend, and was recently brought up by White Josh. Obviously, people in this group are here because they love the show like me, even though it's never been the same without Greg. Do you have any issues with it, despite being a fan, about and her being the main character that everyone seems to fall for Rebecca? Now, you don't want to, you don't watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and I don't think you should watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I have despite watched... the fact that... Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is one of the best shows on TV, but it is not for you. Right. I have watched maybe six... I've watched most of the episode where it's... um, Swim Chan is the name of the episode um, that I saw most of. And that's enough to give me... Is that a recent one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This past season. Yeah, Yeah, it's the one where she's she's running through... Yeah, don't spoilers. Yeah, don't spoil. Well, okay. There's a lot of people that watch this only on Netflix and haven't seen any of season three and season three has a lot going on. So. Okay. Yeah, there, it, it, it is a pastiche of a lot of movies that I am passingly familiar with. And it was on yes. in the background. So anyway, that was, I did not get the indication that every male character. So she has in the grand scheme of things, she, she moved because of Josh. Then she dated Greg and she bounced between Josh and Greg and then there was Trent. There was there has been a lot of guys that have been interested, but the thing that made me literally laugh out loud as I was chatting with Mary on uh, on Hangouts as we were finishing up some uh, podcasting discussions, um, she was googling Oscar stuff while I was googling Lanny Sarah. Both of us taking our Sunday activities very seriously. Um, not everybody in Crazy Ex Girlfriend is in love with Rebecca. Okay. Not all the straight characters even mm-hmm. are in love with her. Um, and the difference is that the show presents it as it's not okay. Like. Yeah, she is actually crazy. Yes. Um, this book, there's also at no point when Rebecca walks by, every guy stops and turns and watches her and talks about how amazing she is. What a what Zade. What Miss Serum is describing is not crazy ex-girlfriend. It is, however, the concept of the harem anime, uh, where one milk toasty audience surrogate character has a bevy of sexy women lusting after him for Whatever reason, um, Tenchi Muyo or Oh My Goddess are both examples. Oh My Goddess less so because there's only really, you know, Bell Dandy is the OTP, but but Tenchi Muyo, a whole bunch of other stuff. It is not an uncommon genre. And I mean, I, it also I don't... exists in a lot of women's shows. Mindy's, Mindy Kaling's show, she dates a lot of guys and things like that. But 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 but, but even in the Mindy Project, it's not it's not the I, Mindy Kaling is fleshed out enough in that yes. show to sort of justify why all these people are taking an interest. Exactly. And, in and same for crazy ex-girlfriend, you know, they're the, you can understand why Josh and Greg both fall for her. Um, a few other are just drunken mistakes and things like that. But I think that actually hits the nail on the head is that, these characters are fleshed out where Zayd solely is a hot woman who doesn't realize she's hot, who has magical powers. She's like Avelka from the Harry Potter series of novels that I finished reading for the first time recently. Like who? 
Avelka, you know. Oh, the, the actual uh, creature. Okay. Yes, exactly. I'm sitting here thinking, who the hell is Avelka? Velka, um, um the um the Bobaton. Velix? Is that one? No, is it Velas. Velas, yeah, sorry. Velas. That's okay. I got what you were talking about. Uh no, you're right. That is essentially what she's trying to do is write a book from um Flor Delacour's point of view without actually having any group. Flor Delacour of Bobaton? The yes. Wow. You're so proud of yourself. <laughs> um but yes, I had to laugh because at least she's kind of trying, but it is also from the standpoint of like, why doesn't this work for me when it works for other people? And the answer is because you put out a first draft. Yep. Oh, also, I just looked it up. Velka is a Dark Souls 3 boss, so that's why I got that on there. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yes. Um, gotcha. And yeah, this is this is very clearly this is very clearly a first draft. Um which no one should ever publish first drafts. Uh, or second drafts. Or third drafts. Now, okay. The beats suck, and they weren't a good literary movement, but they at least wrote energetically, and so when you have the, the vomiting out of, sure. s- of stuff, like there is at least a pep and a verve to it that this lacks. Um, Very much so. And... and the the characterization is such that no one earns anything except for Mac. Mac earns a little bit of credit because he's right all of the time and then he burns it all on that like weirdly anti-semitic rant from a few chapters back and his abusive standpoints of being angry. Yes. Um so it's it's I, I it is too much of a counterfactual to even begin to 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 script doctor this book. Like, okay, how do you how do you make the character interesting enough to justify the events that happen to her? And you really can't. Um, this chapter gets into a little bit of, or it is entirely backstory for two side characters and. Do you, do you like that segue? Do you like how I, how I, how I, I do? No, home? yes. I'm just rolling my eyes at the fact of like, this is the hardest chapter for me to get through. <laughs> really? Yes. It was a very hard chapter for me to read because of how little I cared. Well, yeah. I mean, in the long run, we're all dead, but uh, okay. Um, so we read, so last time, um, Zade was bleeding out while she was medevaced on a private plane to bumfuck Egypt in Tennessee um, that would be Memphis, and we didn't go to Memphis. No, Mem- Memphis is—it's Mem- a joke. Oh, it's a joke. Oh, oh okay. Oh, all right. Memphis all right. is in Egypt, oh, just, yeah, and yeah, there's a pyramid but, yeah, in Memphis, yeah, B- Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, BFE. Yes. All right, all right. Um, to Centerville, where um, D- Della, uh, mm-hmm. who I am going to keep calling Della Reese, uh, fine, has to do some 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 Appalachian magics and heal her and Mac needs to be there for some reason. And we talked a lot about it's always sunny in Philadelphia last episode with, with, we also ranted a lot of like, Hey, your daughter's dying. Please stop making incestuous comments about her Mm. and flirting. Right. Um, my sources gave me a really solid riff on this as, an it's always sunny script. And I've forgotten it. Um, because yeah, all those memories (laughs) lost like tears and rain time to die. Uh, so yeah, this chapter, uh, we figure out that the unanswered question, the unasked and unanswered question gets an answer. How did Charles and Della end up together? Part right. the first. Which, um, why are we telling Mac this again? While the daughter, while, while Zade is continuing to die in a more active sense than most people are continuing to die in the upstairs room. And yes. So I, I, but honestly, like I'm looking back through last chapter. Do we have any reason as to why they're explaining this entire story? Um, Mac is like, they're trying to explain to Mac, like 
why the mob has like anything more than a doctor to solve okay, what is yeah, going yeah. on with Zade. And for some reason that requires going back to when they met rather than just being like, I'm a witch, let me prove it. Right. Yeah. Ch- page 319 in your, your um, hardbound copy if you're reading along at home. How about you explain? How about you just explain to me now exactly what is going on? There's a comma splice there. I think I've been in suspense long enough at this point. What can you do, Della Reese, that her doctor at the hospital couldn't? Mac, blah blah blah. blah. Um, two pages later, it's a uh, you know flashback. Okay. Uh, so, the lovers. Um, here we go. Which, do we finally have a tarot card name? Yeah, yeah, that lines well, up with our chapter. We are seventeen chapters in. This is and. At least we could draw a line between right. the tarot card and, I mean, I know that the lovers doesn't necessarily rem- represent the lovers, but like, okay, you know what? I will give you this title. Congratulations. It took you 18 chapters. The lovers see them neath their tree, vessels of sacred alchemy, in sex's crucible they stir, the red and white, the him and her. In Eden once they knew sex not, nor death, nor any of that rot. Being amoebas, they were quite immortal and hermaphrodite. That their amoebas is implied by Eve grown from her husband's side. Though in a deathless state of grace, there's not much use around the place. The wily serpent DNA brings sex and death here into play. With these two factors, there can be progress and possibility. Thus do we fall, does Eden end, or in genetic terms, descend. Unlike amoebas, if they'd thrive, things now must kill to stay alive. Our animal dilemma's plain. We're either able, else we're Cain. Ah, oh, well, that's life. Let's leave and trust things to their prehistoric lust. That all our history may proceed from jungle humps, from mammal need. Um, so, Promethea by Alan Moore and Alistair Crowley, they take a, a alchemical marriage view of lovers, but you know what? It's lovers, it's two people explaining about how they're in love i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lift no, look this in the map this is we have been broken down and beaten and come back and you have finally given us a chapter where we go okay we can see your line however does this mean that we're supposed to believe that every other chapter before this related to the tarot card somehow and if it did well you failed i i yeah i don't know i don't know it's it is an it is an exceedingly odd, willful decision to make the novel worse. Because yes. you could take the chapter titles out oh, yeah. and lose nothing. There was a time in my life when I was a very young writer in my teens where I decided I wanted to write a book where each chapter would be based on the lyrics of this band I really loved, that I still really like, called The Script. Okay. And I was like very young, 16, 17. I don't know. Did you write the band in as No. Uh, I didn't even actually end up writing this book, but I just really liked their lyrics. I was like these lyrics inspire me to write. I should somehow dedicate each chapter title and then it hit me at some point that this was a ridiculous idea and I did not do it. All right. That puts you one up on Lenny Serum. Yes. So, we are in the flashback. Which, nope, we're not in the flashback because we have an entire paragraph about how Della tells stories. And it is the best way possible to explain that someone is a good storyteller by saying explicitly that they are a good storyteller. I just want to remind you that Della is telling this story and Zade is extracting the memories from people. And we still have things when we go into this chapter. And we still have no indication how consensual this is. The whole like mind eating. Um, But she is so good that it's almost like you're watching a movie picture, a motion picture directed by Steven Spielberg. And uh, apparently we're also in the 1980s. Now, if you are writing a book because you want to make a movie because you feel that there are not enough female roles in the world um, and you explicitly want to find a female director to make this a female project, maybe mention a female director rather than Steven Spielberg or it's, a more modern. I mean, even go with, um, is it Alex Morgan? Who it depends in, on who you're talking about. 
fuck. I it's, <laughs> who was I talking about last night, James? That's my question. So I just assume that you'd swear you were watching a motion picture directed by Steven Spielberg because everyone was making that slow motion odd O face as John Williams score swelled in the background every single time <sighs> in this. I do love John Williams. Um, Alex Garland, who I'm thinking of, because we talked about Ex Machina last night. Okay. Um, and I just saw Annihilation. And you want someone who is a very captivated, you have to actually watch what's going on in their movies. It's not Steven Spielberg. He writes blockbusters. And these are the types of movies that you can put on the background and listen and still know what's going on. Not criticizing her choice so much as just like... These are the notes I would have given her as a beta reader. As like, we know you want to be this to be a movie. Pander to a director that you would actually want. Yep. So... So we open on 1977, um, a traveling carnival circus thing, uh, which puts to my mind a um, Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury, which is great because I Good spent choice. this entire chapter going, I would much rather be reading Something Wicked This Way Comes <laughs> or watching the movie Something Wicked This Way Comes or reading the Tales from the Crypt story <laughs> loosely based off Something Wicked This Way Comes. Um, Della is doing card readings in her tent. Uh Charles shows up. And... Before that, though, again, a reminder. Oh. Della is telling this story. Zaid is pulling the memories. We have the first mention of the fact that the, she has geez. cleavage. Oh, that's right. Oh, her gosh. The fact that this is... cotton top had slipped off her left shoulder and the front was open just enough to show a little bit of cleavage. Now, the fact that this is all technically okay so this is this is this is a question how much editorial control does the character of zade exercise over these memories because it's one thing if it was i pulled these memories of my mother and father or like my father viewing my mother things like that but it is specifically told in a very long paragraph that della is telling the story so either della makes a comment about her shirt being off of her shoulder or whatever. Right. Or it is Zade again talking about how hot her mother is. Right. I I mean I and there there has to be some editing because if if it were just unfiltered thoughts, this would be a much more interesting novel and there would be sure. a lot more digressions about how, you know, Della thought about how she really needed to take a shit and regretted <laughs> ha or you know whatever. Uh you know, this is also the first chapter where I could see the most amount of like this was originally a script mm -hmm. um and the fact that like there's a lot of description like she wants this scene and how she wants the scene to look which is what i'm taking this cleavage thing but again it's creepy it, this isn't even the creepiest line when it comes to that we'll have another one in a minute so anyways um, there, you're right a uh, 20 year old charles has arrived well after after establishing that della was 18 it is very important folks that you understand that della is 18 um, yes. So this is a really great example of one of the cliched rules about writing, which is never use adverbs. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and 20 year old Charles replied sarcastically, comma, blah, 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 blah. Um, this brings to mind a sight gag or a, a gag in the classic movie Black Dynamite, where... Okay. Black Dynamite asks a uh, room full of, of Black Panthers, who's in charge here? And one guy stands up and says, sarcastically, I'm in charge. The, jo <laughs> the joke being that he is, of course, reading the script directions. And right. this is what I... If you have to signify that someone is saying something sarcastically, then you probably shouldn't say it. Uh, this comes up a lot in our online discourse because you're just dealing with a written word and you can't hear yes. tone so specific or so explicitly. Um, so Charles is, says, didn't you see me coming in your little cards? Didn't they tell you why, why I'm here? Um, uh, We're then supposed there's... to get the impression they don't like each other. Right. Charles is hot though. Very uh, hot. And every girl falls all over him. Every girl falls all over him. Every guy all over her mother. How did they produce such a very hot child? 
Um, Who's also not bisexual, but we... Oh, don't we have that debate at one point? Um, is Zayd bisexual? Because of her commentary on Sophia. Um, I think... I, I, uh, I, uh, there is a change you'd see with Sophia that comes off as very... Uh, very curious. It, because it was uh, the most description... More description about her than we ever got about Jackson. I'm remembering this now. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. But, no, Zayd is not coded to be bisexual. bisexual. Um, and so- I think the LGBTQT... LGBTQ uh, community thinks her for not doing that. Yes. Um, so Charles is thinks he's hot shit and is trying to get into Della's pants and Della continues to explain how using tarot cards as divination works. Um, this is the most explanation we've received about the rules of magic at all in this yes. book. Uh, but also, all I could think about was, did we not establish last chapter or the chapter before that she can read minds? She can read minds and control minds. Um, so, yeah, it would have been a good point here to clear up, like, hey, she reads minds by using the cards or something like that. Like, right. Or, or, or she, she can, or she can see the future, but no one believes her if she's just like sitting on a f- fucking ball of volcanic gas spouting off the, you know, prophecy. So she, she puts on a show with the, the tarot cards or something like that. Right. Um, and, and this, this keeps going on and, um, it keeps going on and, he eventually sits down for her to read his cards yep. uh, to, to figure out why he's there. She realizes he looks exhausted um, and that he hasn't been sleeping. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which is, um, I mean, she so she's doing a cold read at this yes. point. And, and he makes a good point of like, it's a good guess. I have yep. deep circles yep. under my eyes. I look sleepy. Not yep. impressed. Um, so then we get into... She knew each time she read someone new that the person could turn out to be an easy read or a hard one. Now, why easy read has quotation marks and hard one does not, I don't know. She was surprised they were so attuned to each other since she usually got along instantly with people who were this close to her physically. Psychically. 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 So, I don't know. That doesn't describe what easy versus hard is, but whatever. And you and and it you she starts to, she starts that sentence trying to make the point that it is weird that they have a connection because she doesn't like him. Yes. And then ends the sentence not making that point. Right. Um it just takes a hard but look. But then sums it up the next sentence was they clearly had a strong connection considering that it didn't take her long to tune into him fine you didn't need the sentence before that or clean it up yep Uh um so then della starts using her you know showing off her actual witchy powers um with a digression into how pretty della's eyes are oh so much talking about how pretty they both are um so charles charles has been having a nightmare where he he gets shot and he dies. And he feels the pain every time. Yep. And Charles is shook by this because he hasn't told anybody. Um, uh, there, can we please skip over until it says free sandwiches? Like, just ignore that entire thing. <laughs> this is the first point that he calls her deli. And then there's a discussion of how she hates it and how... No, you could use it to your advantage. And yes, it is flirting. It is terrible flirting. There is nothing wrong with terrible flirting. But as charming and as much of a catch as he's supposed to be, his flirting is kind of bad. Uh, but Della mercifully informs the reader he's funny too, apparently. Um, and I just... What we get about Charles throughout this book is very contradictory. Like, it, at some point, Mac makes it sound like he, he can't take social... Cl- social cues um he doesn't understand pop culture today and things like that but he's also supposed to be this super super charming charismatic guy and then this is how he flirts um that's all the ladies that's because that's because 
uh, sometime between this and the events of the book, Charles is killed and replaced with a homunculus (sighs) by Della. So Della could keep an eye on Zade. Della knew that Zade was always going to flee the nest and also knew that she was going to seek out her father. So she made sure that uh, Charles was not Charles, but rather a homunculus of Charles that would okay. report back, which uh, which is why everything's so kind of awkward at this point. But anyway. That um, makes more sense. There is so. there is a explanation about clairvoyance and clairaudience, um, which neither of which, neither of those really apply here. No, it's very strange. I mean, I guess it doesn't explain how she could see his memory. Right. The definitions aren't wrong. Uh, they're very simplified. But again, yeah, you're right. I read this several times going, what about this bothers me? And right. you're right, because it doesn't explain. Neither clairvoyance nor clairaudience deal with telling the future or reading people's minds. Right. Um. So Charles continues to be shook. And then uh, Della asks him to shuffle the cards. And, be- and either because- he's an idiot or he just really likes to ask questions. Because, like, every time she tells him to do something, he's like, I don't understand. Huh? What? You yeah. want me to shuffle the cards? Yes. Anybody with a passing understanding of tarot knows that, like, if you're trying to read on someone, they need to shuffle the cards so that, like, they, for lack of a better term at the moment, because I haven't had caffeine, imprint on the cards. Right. This is also why you keep your tarot cards in a bag separate from everything else. You, exactly. you, you keep your uh, your mystical tools sacred and separate. Yes, um, mine are in a hidden box. Except Char- my tarot cards. Right. Char- Charles does card tricks. And folks, if you meet someone and they start doing card tricks without being asked to do card tricks, they are an asshole. And you should yes. not hang out with them. I agree. And but then we also get now James flip back to the first page. Fuck. Tell me how old the first page of the chapter. Oh, thank God. How old is Charles? Charles is Okay, Dell is just eighteen. It's literally the next line. Um twenty year old Charles. Okay. Okay. So, again, 20, not in his 20s, not 20-ish. Yep. It specifically says 20. Mm-hmm. Charles laughed a little at her joke, and being a 21-year-old guy, he was instantly intrigued to find out if she really did bite. Maybe. Three fucking editors. Now, 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 maybe, maybe Charles was born at, like, 1.15 in the afternoon, and he Shit. walks into the tent at one ten. And then, you know, Fine. six minutes passed. But yes. Fine. Um, I will give you that that is a possibility that they don't mention and yet could have happened. Or it could be that instead of editors, she had people read this and go, wow, this is such a great story. I don't think anything should be changed. I will say for all that we hit on the three editors piece, it is quite possible that by this point of the book, the three editors were just so burned out that it doesn't matter. Like there's enough editors that have to deal with stupid shit and long books and everything like that. Like I don't buy that as an excuse if they are a real editor. If she had a real beta reader, if she had anything, this should have been caught because it's not something that I caught today. This is something I caught while reading this the first time in the skimming fashion of like, for the love of God, can we be done with this book? Yep. Uh, so there's a, and then there's a big explanation of how Della is doing this particular reading, which doesn't really matter. But what does matter is Della's outfit and Charles staring at Della's tits. Yes. Um, I said, try not to focus on any one thing and keep your mind clear. She reminded him while she shook her head as if she were slightly disgusted. Charles, Charles misses a trick here because his response is, you said, if I could. His emphasis, etc., etc. I would have said, "I'm focusing on two things." Wink, uh, wink. Well, um, sure. But the fact of the matter is, again, we are talking about Della's tits. Yes, and um, I suppose she could be like the um, the sex worker from Blade Runner and have three tits. It's never really specified this is how true. many. This is true. Maybe she has a third one. 
Yeah. You're right. The supernumerary nipples are uh, often a, tie, a sign of magical prowess. So that that it is quite possible that Dell has a supernumerary nipple. Um, and, and, and <laughs> I have we, given up if you can't tell. Whatever excuse you want to throw at me to make this work, fine. Um, so Della points out that Charles has been uh, hot, you know, fucking hellcatting around and how I don't know because nothing he has done yet has been charming. Right. And this is also given okay. Like he is, he, no no he's no he's not no. like glancing at her tits. He is full on staring. She stops messing with the cards and gives him a second. And he is like staring at her like he is a thirteen year old boy that just realized that women have something on the front of her their bodies. Now, wh- one thing I wanted to discuss here is that this is a traveling circus. So you have Close. a close-knit group of individuals whose strongest social connection is to each other right. and who spend a great amount of time in a intimate space and an emotionally liminal space. So... It they're is, all fucking, yes. They're all fucking. They're to? all obviously fucking. And, duh, anyone who has spent any time in any community about this knows that fucking happens. So, um, Charles is, Charles is skeeved because he didn't realize that Betty was in love with him. Um, She's been in love with him for a year, and they slept together roughly six weeks ago. Okay. Um, which she took to be that he had finally noticed her at the start of their relationship. He took it as I got drunk. She had a hole for me to stick it in. Yep. And. Oh, I just noticed this. So Betty what? sneaks through camp at night and watches Charles sleep. Yep. Um, Which again, I suppose this is all stuff that could have been revealed using. Della's entirely mundane first sight, not the magical second oh, yeah. sight. Or Definitely. the sort, sort of omen sight beyond sight from Thundercats. Uh, <laughs> and so, wait, then, oh, okay, okay. And then Betty gets pissed because she sees Charles with another girl. That it takes him a very long time to realize who she was. He slept with someone two weeks ago and then can't figure out, apparently she's a bad lay. Um, despite being blonde, which, nope, I'm not going to get in on that. I have made a joke somewhere else, not on a podcast. I'm not going to commit that one to a podcast anyways. Um, she's a bad lay. Betty was better, though Betty wasn't great. Fine. And then... It was hard. It sounded harsh, but truthful, dot, dot. Yeah. And so then, um... Della thinks thinks him for the play-by-play, which this is not a play-by-play. Yeah. And then Della says that Betty's going to kill Charles. Yes. She is a woman scorned. Um, She's clearly got something wrong mentally. She needs help. And instead of being like, maybe we should get her help. Maybe we should do something that gets her help. Instead, we're going to get her arrested. Now, this is where it gets really, really weird. Yes. Because well, yes. we have foreknowledge of, of these events. And the solution is for Charles to acquire and wear a bulletproof vest. And... Call and then the cops will show up and arrest Betty, who is clearly a damaged person and needs help. Yep. Now, just what I just said, but yeah, yeah, and and and, and I was going somewhere with it, and then I just got stunned by the the enormity of the, it all. Yeah, it's it's instead of like, hey, we know this woman has issues. She's clearly been watching you sleep. 
things right. like that. Like, hey, let's go find. Isn't there? What do you call a person who runs the circus? Uh, that person, a ringmaster. Yes. Ringmaster, uh, yeah. yes. Find the person in charge. Be like, hey, we think there's something up. Charles doesn't have to be involved. Della could go to the ringmaster and be like, hey, I've noticed that she's watching Charles while he sleeps. She's giving off these signs. The cards, because I assume the ringmaster believes that she's truly clairvoyant and clairaudient or whatever, but I don't know. Give him something that leads to this woman getting help rather than put in a jail cell for attempted murder. Or don't do the bullet trick on Sunday or talk to Betty or I understand not doing the bullet trick or taking that option out because if you don't talk to her, if you don't get her help, she's just going to find another way. Yep. Um, so yeah. Uh, I don't like that. It's a bullet. And I just made that comment. That is anyways. Um, me angry. So yeah, then there's a uh, there's like people a paragraph- do crazy things sometimes, especially women, and especially for love. Fuck you! You know what I've never done for love? Tried to kill someone. Right, and oh god, oh I was born old, and I have an even older soul. Look into my eyes. This marks the first time in human history where the phrase "old soul" has been used. Other than by an old guy trying to justify his attraction to a under 18 girl. Oh, you just um, have such an old soul. I think that's debatable, but sure, we'll go with it. It, it reads as creepy to me. But it, like, oh, it, it's it, very creepy. It's also very cheesy and a trope and a cliche and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but so she grabs his hand and a breeze seems to come out of nowhere. The smile that had been across her face turns to, to a strange look. Her eyes got vague as if she'd seen something she didn't want to. She quickly pulled away. Now, do we get what she... I think eventually we get what she saw, but I don't think it's in this chapter. Oh, God. So... What do you think she saw? Um, she saw... Um... Gosh, that is a good question. We aren't we aren't at the po- point in the podcast where I freestyle what happens next chapter, so I, I'm 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 drawing a little blank. Um, we'll incorporate that into what you think. Okay, happens okay, there we go, there we go. Um, and then someone shows up and has an appointment to to get her cards read. Yeah, Charles bitches about wearing a vest because the whole point of his trick is that he's not wearing a vest. So, and and then the chapter ends, and we are still not fully clear on how Charles and Della got together. This right. is just a, a a slice of their life before they got together. We also have no fucking clue what 1977 has to do with the fact that their daughter is dying. Right. Now wait, okay. When is it did we ever establish when this book is set? At Primarily? Day. Okay. So Given the Sally Beauty store, um, the mention of iPhones, so somewhere Zade... in the past, like, five to ten years. Okay, so I was going to say, because this would put Zade at 40. No, it, it, assuming that if they got together in 1977, yeah, I mean, so Zade's supposed to be in her mid-20s. So assuming that this is modern day, which would be 2015, we'll go with. Okay, um, so so we're, we're still talking about her parents being married for ten years We'll um, say at least before they 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 breed. Yeah, because that would have been nineteen ninety. Yeah. So yeah, ten to thirteen years beforehand. So that does not strike me as a sign of MFEO OTP connection that you get married and then don't. Mix your genetic material for over a decade, but it's also not a lot of something that of that time period. Like that happens a lot more nowadays, I think, um, especially 
with uh, my generation slash your generation because I think you debate whether or not you're considered a millennial, which PSA, millennials are all in their 20s and 30s. Please stop talking about what teenagers are doing and talking about how terrible millennials are. They're not millennials. Anyways, um, that is brought to you by someone in my family posting about how millennials are eating tide things. And it's like, no, those are the people that came after us. Off my soapbox. Anyways. It was not of the time period to get together, get married, and have a long marriage before having kids. Usually you have kids in the first or two years. So. Real, real quick, going back to your soapbox, were you were you debating the uh, distinction between new adults and young adults? No, it was... Um, I know, that... I know. Millennials versus teenagers, I guess. Actually, the conversation was... Um, about gun control and teenagers and eating Tide Tide Pods. Tide Pods. And that is a whole entire other rant that I'm not going to do on this podcast, but for the love of God, we have to do something about gun control. And Tide country. Pods. And Tide Pods, apparently, although I have a we, bunch of those in my apartment. Um we uh, the official handbook for mortals or handbook for handbook for mortals stance is t- don't eat Tide Pods. And stricter gun laws. Yes. Um, I think you and I differ on degree um, for I am a militant leftist in my ideology. You yes, less you so. Are. Yes. yes. Um, smash the state. A... No ethical yes. consumption under capitalism unless you buy from the handbook for handbook for mortals Amazon link, which we don't have and we probably should. <laughs> so, yeah, that that wraps the, the chapter and we are. What did we learn this chapter? We learned that Charles... How did this progress the story? Well, it didn't progress the story at all. Uh, it doesn't deepen our understanding of the characters at all because we are seeing a Charles that does not match at all with the right. Charles that we quote unquote know and quote unquote love. Right. Who fucks his daughter and other co-workers so i guess not much has changed right now now it was it was very explicit that he it, you know it took him long enough but he finally admitted that he was not fucking his daughter no he he jokingly let people believe that of course he's fucking his daughter of course he wouldn't be fucking his i hate charles so much um so yeah uh next chapter it appears that we are still doing a flashback because this 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 arc has not resolved and no I, I, I mean i think you could probably guess from the standpoint that uh charles is still alive in modern day so maybe he doesn't die well i mean but I you did, also I, think he yeah he's, okay, a, he's, so. he's, a, he's a homunculus but but see the it wouldn't make sense to um so so she would have had to acquire a um a, a bit of Charles's semen traditionally and uh, bury it. Are we talking about to make a baby or to make a humunculus? Well, uh, both. I mean, you know, acquire a sample of Charles's semen, possibly in the uh, traditional method for the, the baby creation. And then for the homunculus, it's usually like semen and a mandragon root and you bury it in a jar for a while or like clay or something like that. And then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, op- op- opinions differ on how best to make a homunculus, but we're all pretty much agreed on where babies come from. So I don't think, I don't think Charles dies next chapter. Um, I think that he wears the bulletproof vest or, okay. um, I, or, or something it's, it's, it's now. Okay. For, if you are keeping score at home, Zade is continuing to die. We yes. have... She's upstairs laying in bed dying of internal bleeding for the most part. We have four chapters to go. Yes. At least one of the chapters remaining is going to be devoted significantly to flashback. Yes. So that leaves three chapters. One of them has to be a, like a denouement, like kind of wrap up, etc. chapter. So we have two chapters for a conflict to be introduced and resolved. So the whole next chapter is not 
entirely flashbacks. I will give you that. I think it is one of our longer chapters. I think it's another one that like could have been edited into two chapters. But yes, you are right. And it is bizarre to have a chapter break in the middle of a flashback. I, I, it, 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 wait till you see why there is a Uh, reason as to why we had a chapter break. We'll, we'll discuss that in next episode. Do not spoil yourself. But James, we did have Della seeing something that she does not explain that gives her grief. What does she see? Um, she sees. Is it the end of the world? As no, 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 no. She sees thousands of sad uh, Bangladeshi and Singaporean children who whose hearts are crying out for a uh, young or new adult fiction sensation to to fill their hearts with joy and that's why she realizes that she needs to have a child to to motivate um all these these beautiful young readers to sign up for their very first goodreads account and i hate you so much <laughs> i hope you understand this <laughs> i hope you understand extreme dislike right now like wu-tang handbook for mortals is for the kids no stop (laughs) i don't i mean it's it's we are we are staring down the barrel of the gun that there are going to be sequels And, and which have not been announced or released and what we are getting to the point we need to figure out what we want to do in between books. Um, listeners, we, if you have any ideas as to what we should do or read or discuss, you know, let us know. Um, we could do a, a worst idea of all time thing where we do nothing but read this book over and over again for a year. If you would like to do that, we could. I would not like to do that. <laughs> But you brought it up, and if we are in true... I mean, we could do a lot um, of things. I'm sitting here with a fucking tight-ass headband around my forehead for no reason. Yeah. Like, just the fact that you can do something doesn't mean that it's a good idea. There are several podcasts where if you say it on the podcast, it is officially in stone. And so thus, I guess what we're doing after this is starting over with Chapter Zero. Ugh, God, time is a flat circle. There, There is no way for this to have a satisfactory conclusion and i am only being a little bit sarcastic with that because i am spotting there i'm spotting the possibility that this book could ever be concluded satisfactorily but but there is no possible way to tie up all the hanging threads and i find myself doubting that the author herself remembers all of the threads that she needs to resolve um like the whole uh the whole um wizard fight that she got into with what's her name who showed up later right like she showed i don't think she had a name right Um, but but, you're right yes we've had her show up twice there is no possible way she's coming back to this book um i i want to hear how those hapless young lovers at the pretzel god stand that zay detonated we're are, are, are doing um uh it's it's uh, yeah i don't know we've got we've got four chapters to wrap it all up and then like dobby the house elf after oh, lucius God. malfoy was tricked into throwing him a sock at the climax of harry potter and the fucking which one, which one? you can the do second it second book nope, um chamber of secrets title. there you chamber go of secrets yes we shall be free um you're like my dog when he finally jumps on the couch after clotheslining himself twice and is so excited when proud of himself. And it's like, okay, <laughs> good for you. Um, so yeah, uh, we get to recommend stuff that we like now. Um, despite yes, my, my, my references this week, I am not recommending you read Harry Potter. Um, I am recommending a podcast about Harry Potter. Uh, as I explained it to my wonderful co-host Megan a while ago, I am image Drake flinching from the Harry Potter books, but I am image Drake looking approvingly at Witch Please, a by a fortnightly podcast about Harry Potter by uh, two militant feminist professors from the University of Alberta. 
it's great. The hosts are lovely and they get someone whose focus is the history of labor to talk about the whole house elf thing. And it is a significant part of why I read the seven Harry Potter books is so I could listen to this damn podcast. So if you have read Harry Potter, check out which okay. please. Um, this week I'm going to go with the fact that I saw Annihilation uh, last weekend, opening weekend, uh, read Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer for the, my judging book covers podcast last year um, because of my friend Liz Babish, who is amazing. Uh, it is one of her favorite books, and it, we had just gotten wind that they were making a movie out of it, and it is directed by Alex Garland, who also did Ex Machina, which I chatted about last night for Fabulous. So big circles all around. Um, he wrote the screenplay, which he read the book and years ago and decided that instead of rereading the book, he was going to treat it like a dream and write from the memory of what he re could remember of the book, which... In the hands of any other screenwriter, I would have been like, no, fuck you. I'm not doing this. Um, because that's a terrible way to adapt a movie or to adapt a book into a movie. It's a great way to adapt Jeff Vandermeer, though. It is a fantastic way to adapt Jeff Vandermeer. It is also um, in contradiction with what's going to happen with Handbook for Mortals, which will apparently be almost like you are watching the book on the screen. If. Lanny Serum gets her way, but instead, Annihilation is a horrifically beautiful sci-fi movie that is unfortunately up during a time period where, um, I don't know if it's when this trend happened, I, I'm going to blame Get Out. There used to be a time period in the year where, like, it was mostly bad movies, so thus you could get one or two good movies out and be like, oh, this is great. And then Get Out came out in January, which is notoriously, like, when Oscar movies get released, so thus there are no other good movies. Like, the Oscar movies from the previous year that only got the December release in New York and L.A. Um, instead, Get Out came out last January and kind of broke the mold on, like, there are now no bad periods of year, in my opinion, to release a movie. And such that Black Panther got released in March of all time and is overshadowing Annihilation, which I am not complaining about because Black Panther is fucking amazing. Still haven't seen that one myself oh either. My God. Um, Look, the monsters aren't going to hunt themselves, you okay? You know what? If you don't turn on the game, they don't move. <sighs> they don't move. But Go see happens, a double feature today. No, what, what, you what, need to what, hush. But, but, but what happens to the food when I close the refrigerator door and the light turns off? Shh. It's real food. Ugh. Anyways, um, my point being that if Annihilation had been released a few weeks prior to Black Panther, it probably would have done a lot better in the box office. Um, they don't believe in it enough to that it's getting an international release. So next week, if you are not in America, Canada, or I can't think of the third country, um, it will be on Netflix. The third country in North America is Mexico. I don't know if it, I don't think it was Mexico. Oh, I don't think okay. it's in North America. I think it's just, I can't remember what the third one is. It could be Mexico, but I didn't think it was a North American release. Mm. Anyways, um, you asshole. I am aware of what countries are. <laughs> <laughs> My point being is that I am also aware that like, it's not getting a theatrical release in Australia. Um, Support this movie from the standpoint of it is if you like sci-fi, if you like horror, if you like movies that are going to have you up for the next week going, what the fuck happened? And then like randomly texting your friends of like, but do you remember this scene? What does this scene mean? This is a movie for you. I've now discussed this movie quite a bit. It's fantastic. I don't have time to go see it again today or I would down so go see it james go fucking see this movie so i can talk to you about it all right it's on my list um where else can they find you when you're not yelling at me to read or to watch annihilation i host two other podcasts judging book covers podcast and fabulous retellings podcast james where can people find you if they're not irritated with the fact that you don't go see movies when you should 
Uh, they can find me at Over the Tabletop, which is another podcast that I'm going to have to record today. It is uh, Aaron Ayers and I talk about two-player board games, often with the assistance of our cat Solstice. Um, we went to a gaming convention last weekend, and someone recognized our podcast from a review that we had done of their game. So I'm Ooh. famous now. Um, there you go. Um, that's it for this week. Um, do you know our social media? Um, handbook for mortals podcast at gmail.com. No, fuck. Um, <laughs> handbook for fabulous retellings is the Facebook no. group. <laughs> no, uh, our social media is uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook at handbook podcast. Uh-huh. Our Gmail is handbook podcast at gmail.com. Um, we do have a Facebook review, which was great. I do want to read that really quick, or if you want to look it up to read it. So if you give us a review, we will, uh, we will give you a shout out. Um, our Facebook group is a handbook for judging fabulous retelling covers. Uh, thank you, Marilyn Mitchell, for your review on our Facebook. Uh, she called it enlightening close read on how not to write a New York Times bestselling book. We appreciate it. Um, I don't believe we have any Facebook reviews, not Facebook, iTunes reviews, but I'm double checking really quick. Um, I'd like to give myself a shout out. I reviewed, no. um, I reviewed over the tabletop on the over the tabletop Facebook group. I said that it was the best board game podcast that I've ever been involved in. So go me. There you go. Um, yes. On iTunes, we've been called a fun listen and a good, good, great show. So yes, go give us a review. Um, and we will read it on the podcast to say thank you. Um, anything else we need to plug before we go away before reading chapter 18, the chariot? Uh, nope. I think we're good. Um, until next time I remain for my sins, James DeBrucker. Yes, you do. And I am still Megan Griffin. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 